You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards Nagel, and Taylor Polindo. Okay, I'm actually pumped about this topic and talk doc of all doctors. I would love to take a sip of my Corona while I hear what you have to say. I do have thoughts on this topic. It's true. Most of you know that I teach conflict resolution. And one of the things that I'm asked is how do things blow up so fast? How do we get that fast from zero to 100? Is the answer you're wrong and I'm right? No. Well, (laughs) yes. Why do you always just suck at communication? (laughs) Why do you always suck? Why did you do this thing again? Mm -hmm. You should have known. That's one of my favorites. The shitting. You know, every time I hear that word, I hear your voice in my head that says, don't let them (laughs) shit on me. That's right. So the question is, what is it that we're saying that takes us from zero to 100 so fast? And Hawker and Wilmot like to talk about this thing that the Gottmans also talk about, which is something called a critical startup. Now, you might think to yourself, that sounds pretty good. Like, it's critical. It's a startup. Oh, no, it's not good because it's a criticism startup. That's what it really Mm. should be called. So it's a starting a conversation with a criticism. Sorry, before you jump in really too far into this, when I first started looking at the data... Nice. Um, on that language, I could easily see some people thinking, oh my gosh, this is so soft. Get over yourself. Why can't I just say it like it is? And we're not trying to say not to say things like they are, mm-hmm. because I could see how someone could listen to this and go, oh, these ladies are trying to tell me to be so like soft with my words and not really be direct. Mm-hmm. But that's really not what we're doing, right? Because we're at no. the point of learning how to do this well is that we're able to be more direct but not be i mean the goal is to improve our communication not be like attacking the person but the subject right so a a really important distinction to start with is what's the difference between criticizing and complaining so the difference is is, do you want a quiz no sorry (laughs) i thought what's the difference meredith what's the difference between criticizing and complaining okay my understanding is the difference between criticizing and compl- and a complaint, right? Not complaining, mm-hmm. but a complaint. A criticism is something about a person's character mm-hmm. that you're pointing out, a negative about a person, mm-hmm. where a complaint is a negative about an experience or something I don't like. Or a behavior or an issue. I oh. think it could be all those things. Okay. So we have criticizing, which is focused ad hominem at that person. And then we have complaining, which is about a behavior, an issue, a circumstance, experience, whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a super important distinction because it has to do with how the receiver takes this message. Have a message that sounds like it's a personal attack, it's going to be received that way. Mm. And those yeah. are the ones that launch us into zero to 100 so quickly. The question is, what do they sound like? Well, they sound like you always, or why do you constantly? How come you never? Would you just listen to me for once in your life? That's a good one. 
mean, I mean, I know some friends who have said some stuff like that. Do you have friends yeah. that have said things like that? Mm -hmm. I sadly think I have said things like this. Yeah, your friend, right? Yeah. But it doesn't always have to have like the hyperbole in it, right? Like no. the never, the always, right? It could no. just be still criticizing, like attacking them. What, it, mm -hmm. what would an example like that be? I mean, if you said you're so selfish, mm. that's a, an attack on someone's character because it's not pointed at a behavior. But we generally like a behavior triggers it and then we attack the character. Yeah, isn't that nice? Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> you just break that down, that Taylor's all, so there's a behavior, but then we just skip over that and go after the person. Yeah, so that's where we're getting it wrong. So this episode okay. is about getting it right. Now, I got to give an admission here. I noticed something a while back after my husband went back to work after COVID mm -hmm. that sometimes when the dog does stuff, I'll say things like seriously and the dog will just freeze <laughs> or I'll be like, no. oh, here we go again. You know, and I'm like, I'm doing this to the dog, I think. Oh, funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not freeze, Or I'll but... say really and he'll freeze. And I think, oh, my gosh, maybe I'm not, you know, I got to think about this. So this gets back to thinking before we speak, but I think my dog is like emotionally triggered by me. He you know, what's, what's really awful is when you say things like that and then you hear it come out of the mouth of a three-year-old. Oh yeah. Right. Like, oh, I wonder, I don't wonder. I know exactly where you got that. And <laughs> it, it really stings hearing it out the other end. Like it's what? what literally recently? almost nothing worse than reproducing a flaw in a child. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> he says that. Because <laughs> I've said that. Because I've said that to him. Like, come on, man. Really? Seriously? It, yeah, I do all that. Yeah. So sucks. we got to watch it. So the, the big thing is that these critical startups are these moments where we don't stop and think about addressing the behavior. It's sort of like, is my brain talking or my emotion talking in the moment? I was thinking about that today visually because huh. I was thinking about think before you speak. And I thought you got to probably pause in there and get the brain involved. It's hard when you're triggered. Oh, absolutely. I think for anyone who's been married any length of time, they would all say that there's certain things that are repeated disagreements. And those are the ones the harder to behave on. So if your partner's always late or always messy or always fill in the blank, that's where I think we get a little more careless. That's a really good observation. So you're saying be aware of the like tiffs or disagreements that you have over and over and mm -hmm. see how easy it is to get messy on this specific subject. I think so. Today. I think so. And I'll tell you from 33 years of marriage that I will sometimes get into an argument with my partner and then I will only discover it's back to the same old disagreement we have. And I thought it was a new topic. I thought we were actually legitimately fighting over a new thing. And it still is because fundamentally I think X and he thinks Y. What are the topics that you're only allowed to bring up cars, right? Cars, oh, yeah. you're only allowed to bring up twice a year or something like you have yes. a, a fundamental difference and you yes. only you schedule when you talk about that because yeah, you know I you disagree. That. I, that's good, Taylor. I forgot about that. So yeah, just to fill everyone in, we used to have a lot of arguments about cars.
I think we have to sell cars before they start to die. And he likes to take a car all the way through to the end. So we're at the end, you know, feeding money into this thing. I say you got to you got to use them for a while and then sell them at their peak, right? Don't don't run the car into the ground. So we fundamentally disagree. So at one point, as Taylor's noting, we used to have a lot of arguments about this topic. And it was really stupid because we kept having them. So we actually formally sat down and said, we are only going to talk about cars December 1st and June 1st of every year. And we put it on our calendar. And every other time of the year, we were not allowed to talk about cars. Stop it. <laughs> That's really Stop. smart. It's like, it's a smart tactic though. And we Why had to stop doing it. Year, so we would yeah. strategize for the year. Like if this car breaks down, we'll sell it or we won't sell it. And we made all our car decisions. I like it. And then we wow. stopped having that recurring argument. But it was, that's kind that of crazy. a scheduled argument. It's, <laughs> it's not that exciting when it doesn't come up as an argument. So when you plan it, you're like, now we're sitting down. I'm not angry about it. I'm not upset. I'm not offended. I'm just having the regular car meeting. So we don't yeah. even fight about cars anymore. It's, we lost it. That's funny. Okay, so criticism and complaints. Yeah, so women criticize men more in marital conflicts than men criticize women. So we're doing it more. Okay, question. <laughs> I was thinking about why that is, and mm. I'm wondering... Because we're the only ones paying attention. <laughs> this, is, this is... You mean in heterosexual relationships? Oh, yes, I do mean that. Yep. Okay when I criticize others. It's generally mm. like starting out of a place of probably self-criticism, feeling like I failed, mm. or if someone brings something up to me, then I like need to highlight 10 areas where they failed me. It's really fun to fight with me, guys, just if you're wondering. Yeah, so let's define another word there, which is blame. Mm -hmm. And blame, by definition, according to Brene Brown, is discharging our pain and suffering onto another person. Ooh, can you just repeat that? Yeah. So according to Brene, blame is discharging your pain and suffering onto another person. Okay. Yes. So that's I, what you just described. Taylor, yeah, I, I definitely think I do that. But what I'm wondering is if there's a connection, do we know people who really hold themselves to this high standard, this impossible standard, like we talked about, mm -hmm. is that more common among women? And then is that why women criticize more? Because they're feeling like I can't do it all. I'm failing. I and they're the perfectionists. Do we did we have any data on that? I have no idea. We need to bring in an expert to answer that question. Why is it women are so much more critical? Do we know that? I said they're the only ones paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know because he's not paying attention. Uh, no. Oh God. But. Here's the thing, since I don't have all of the data there, I'm not going to get into the weeds too much because we'd have to pull the original study to look at that. But I want to talk about the fact that we criticize directly and indirectly. Remember, though, if it's received as criticism, it's still criticism. So directly right. would be something like, you should have known I wanted the dishes to be done. You should have known I don't like the green salsa. You should have known I wanted a medium-sized Diet Coke. <laughs> What is happening? What's going on over there, right Taylor? Taylor's like, laughing. Thinking having... about a lot of things I've said to my partner <laughs> because I felt like I put everything through the Ralph filter. I put my day through the Ralph filter and I run everything through like, how will this affect him? What is he doing today? And I felt like 
no one was running anything through a Taylor filter. I was like, don't mm. you? And so I used to say like, hi, my name's Taylor. Nice to meet you. When he would do something that I thought he should have Damn. known. <laughs> and so it's because so there's a little now. criticism. Yeah, yeah. So he would do something and I'm like, do you not know me at all? Why is there no sauce? I need sauce with this item or whatever it is. And I used to say like, hi, my name's Taylor. Nice to meet you. And so now we now it's become a joke and he does it back to me. But okay, so that perfectly, I, that's a lot of indirect. Yeah, yeah, that perfectly lands us on indirect. So indirect could be something like that. But it also could be he loads the dishwasher and then you come in and reload it how it needs to actually be loaded. Right, that's still right. a form of criticism. Like you didn't. Do yes, it right. this okay. to me is like the ultimate burn. It's like it's very passive aggressive. Mm -hmm. Indirect. Mm hmm. So we re-clean the counter or we re-sweep or we re-you name it. I think that person can, not that I'm exempt from ever being that person, but that person that goes and fixes the thing that someone did, especially like in a home or just does something to quote, air quote, correct mm -hmm. what someone else did. I think they originally listened to this subject and think that they don't belong here, but they belong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I think the indirect criticizer might believe they're not criticizing. Mm -hmm. They're just doing it the right way. But remember, it's the message received. So if I feel criticized, then that's and that's how I receive the message. That's it. Mm -hmm. So what do we do about this? Yes. The title of the episode is How to Properly Complain. So that tells us some of the answer, which is get rid of the criticizing and figure out a way to complain. We talked about the definition. If criticizing is about the person and complaining is about the behavior, then we need to construct messages about the behavior. Okay. We have to get the brain actively working there. Now, one of the distinctions that I read on some of the Gottman work, I found really, really helpful. And that is, they said, if you can say your message and the partner can have a chance to fix it, then you're focused on behavior. If you can say your message and the partner has an, a chance, like opportunity to fix the mm -hmm. or correct yeah. the, the issue, then your focus is on the behavior, which is what we want to focus on. Right. Because character flaws are not fixable in a single interaction. So think about Touché. that, right? So if I say you need to just be a better person. Well, how do you become a better person? One, two, three, go. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you think of so many arguments you've heard in your life where this happens? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just like. Oh, yeah. So instead, I need you to do the dishes. I've got to work tonight. Focuses on the behavior. They can do the dishes. It can be fixed. I know it's a simple example, and we do talk about dishes no, but far too much on this podcast. <laughs> the simple example is the practical example. I needed those things. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I know we talk about dishes, and I like it because we laugh. Can we try like a couple examples? Of oh, for sure. I need I, or behavior. If you really care about this person, hurling something at them that they can't fix is really not good because it's not loving. Wow. So if you said something like, why are you just like that? You know, how are they going to fix that? That's not a thing someone can fix. All it is, is a, a burn. It's just discharging pain and suffering onto another person of some kind. So instead, focus on the behavior and think, what would it be 
that they could fix in this that would remedy the situation. So it's not like you talked about Meredith at the beginning, being weak. It's not about being meek. It's not about being, you know, not representing yourself. It's about saying, I love this person. I want to give them a chance to participate in a new way. That's going to be good. Mm. Whether that's doing the dishes or it doesn't matter what it is. It's whatever the behavior is. That makes me like weirdly emotional. <laughs> I don't know if any of anybody's ever been like a young person and heard people argue mm -hmm. that way, but I think you just like lit up something that I didn't understand, which is like if you hear people argue in a way that isn't loving towards each other, and then in this example, you hear them criticize each other, that's another way of not being loving towards them. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay. I knew I needed therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I totally get that we have the emotional response and I'm no perfect person. So I'm going to say some of these are fall off a little too easily off my tongue. I'm like, oh, I know that one. But the thing that I would say is that this is an opportunity for us to repair with the people that are closest to us and give them a behavioral fix to do the thing, whatever that is. I need us to be able to leave on time. I need you to not interrupt me so I can finish my sentence. That's a behavior you could do right then. You could give me silence and you could hear me out. But if I just say, why do you never listen? Or what's wrong with you? I've heard that one. I've said that one. Yeah, same. I don't want to say that I've said that one, but I have. Yeah. It wasn't today, but. Progress. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the strategies and then we'll get to complaints versus criticisms. Give your partner a way to fix it. So focus your message that way. Mm -hmm. have your relational goals in mind. This is a person I want to have a relationship with. That's why I would focus on the behavior. I might even, as Julie Gottman suggests, tell them, my relationship with you is important. I want you to let me finish what I had to say so you understand. If you can throw a relational supportive message in with it to give it support. Mm -hmm. I looked up Julie Gottman's opinion about this topic and sent it to Taylor. <laughs> you did. Yeah. I like that. Instead of a critical or criticism startup, what kind of startup could you have that would be better? And that's the gentle startup. So then that means we have to think before we speak. Sorry, everyone. Challenge. I think something you've mentioned over time is practicing. Yeah. Like practice it out loud. I feel like this would be a good moment to really run through what you're saying. Yeah. And then if you were receiving that, like, well, how would you feel? Or what would you take if you heard those same words back to you? Yeah. And I think if we all thought about messages that way, how would I take this message? If it was said to me, we would probably be 500% better at communication. So it sounds like you're asking me for a quiz. Oh, geez. I didn't know that. That's exactly <laughs> what we're asking you for. No, we're just going to practice. We're not going to do a quiz technically, but you know, I do do love quizzes. Okay. Oh, this right. is not real? Mm, it's always real, Meredith. Let's be honest. Don't you sometimes when we finish recording say, I just won that podcast? I mean, <laughs> I've been known to be a little salty when Taylor beats me. It's true. That one time. She's trying to say happened. that she beat me one. I, I won once. Like... 
We might need to go back and score. I'm just, just saying, I think you win like every single time, but act like you don't. Oh, I thought you were saying no, that you, you took it. Okay, I feel wrong. better now. That it sounds like sick and twisted though, Taylor. <laughs> yeah. She wins and then she makes yeah. you feel bad. Typical power move. Oh, okay. I'm ready. Okay, let's do, let's do it. So there's this great resource from Purdue and we'll put it in the show notes where they talk about complaints versus criticisms. And the, the question is, can you take a criticism that's that gut response and change it? Hmm. Okay, so the first one is, you never want to do anything fun with me. That's the personal attack, like you're not a fun person. So that makes it a criticism. Mm -hmm. What would be the replacement message that would be a complaint? Because you're still wanting to do more things, but you're not saying it the right way. Something like... Um I noticed that we've just been home on the TV a lot recently. I need to do something outdoors with you and more active. I like the I need. I need could be in a lot of these. You're still filing a complaint, but you're doing it without blame. Remember, we're properly complaining without blaming. But notice it doesn't have the you. So you never want to do anything. It's absent the you. It's focused on the behavior. And it asks for a specific behavioral change. Yeah, once a week, it's something I need. Mm -hmm. So I need and describing that. And here's what you're doing, giving them a pathway out of that complaint. Mm -hmm. So what do you do if you receive that message? Okay, I make it more of a priority and I get some stuff on the calendar. So we go and do more things. It's achievable. Yeah. And what we're talking about here is creating that connection. So yeah. that that's a desire when you receive that or see it, or if you're that person to lean into that relationship. Yeah. 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 Okay, so let's do another one. You're so irresponsible. You always leave the lights on every night. So give it to Taylor. Okay, so when you leave the lights on, I feel frustrated because we're wasting energy and our resources. I need you to turn them off when you leave the room. Mm -hmm. It's important to understand too that the easy thing to do is the criticism and the harder thing to do is the complaint. Okay, so you're saying it's harder to be a responsible complainer. Yes, I am okay. saying that. <laughs> it is harder but, to be responsible in any category, Taylor. Okay, so one more. You never want to spend holidays with my family. You're so selfish. So what's do the... Do you want to do it, Mary? I think she should. Get your calculator out. Um, <laughs> I'd say something like... It's a good example because I, I mean, I don't think that I am with someone that's critical of this, but our families live very far apart. So this can be this. I'm sure this could come up another way with a kid. It's like, well, where do we spend the holidays? And, you know, we thankfully like each other's families, but okay. That was my preface. <laughs> I like the word but in there at the end. Um, so I would say something like I noticed that every time see every i notice that when we're planning how to spend our holidays it feels like we're spending more time with yours and i need to know that my family is carved out as well my family time that's not a good that's not so a the good. only thing i would say is what does the partner do though so yeah. i need us to set I a trip to, to visit to see my family I guess this is a good example because this year we're doing all the major holidays with my family, like the Thanksgiving, Christmas thing. So I could see my partner going, I need to 
know that on the calendar next year, one of those holidays is with my family. Yep. And that seems reasonable. Because there's a pathway out of it. That's the big thing. Can it be fixed with that message? Because if it's not fixable, why are we saying it? I've heard that with like physical comments. Like if it can't be fixed in five minutes, don't say it. So you can have food in your teeth and that's fine. Yeah, I can. Yeah, you could fix that. Oh, you could fix the hairs out of place, but we should just not make comments. I think especially to our partners. Like you're so ugly. My shirt. You wore that shirt again. (laughs) Well, we're already out. I can't. You want me to take it (laughs) off or like if it can't be fixed in five minutes, then maybe just don't say it. Dang, I needed that lesson. Thanks. (laughs) I can't lose five pounds in the next five minutes. So, really. oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we, like, but people make big statements. I don't know. Yeah, I like know. That's fair. So, what do we do on the reverse? If you are with someone, and besides, if you're with someone who is very critical or is always criticizing you, how do you receive it? Well, if you can't really make them be a complainer, um, how do you? What do you do? Maybe you can. Ooh. First, I'm going to say it's hard to do this. So if somebody says you're so selfish, the first thing on my mind is not let me have a constructive message sent back mm-hmm. to this person. Yeah. That's not my first instinct, but it's something we could do. So couldn't you ask, what behavior would you like to see changed? Hmm. Oh, wow. That's good. Instead of you're so selfish, like what's, that's not helpful, right? So what behavior would you like to see changed? And I would feel like, well, there are areas in my life where I'm not selfish. So that's not true. So now you're just lying and I'm going to combat you and, and you're, no one's going to get anywhere. And that's normal, Taylor, for you to think of 25 times where you were not selfish. Yeah. And start ripping them out. I'm that kind of arguer. I had like a good trial attorney, I've got 400 examples and a briefcase of evidence, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't get us anywhere. Like you said. Right. So a lot of this reminds me of like early in my marriage. And I don't know if you guys relate to this at all, but I was kind of told at a young age, don't be drama, be easygoing. Don't bring things up because it's annoying or guys don't like that. I don't know. So to fit in and be liked and accepted, I learned roll with the punches Mm -hmm. in a certain way. And that was one of the first things my marriage counselor said was you need to bring things up in the moment. And I feel like that goes really well with this because Mm -hmm. at the end of the month, I would have a laundry list of things and I would just kind of word vomit all of them. And he didn't know what to do with it because he was like, I didn't know any of that happened. Yeah. And it probably was criticism because I said, well, you always, because I, I kept score. Um, wow. But if you do this in the moment and it's just a small thing, it's the dishes, it's the lights on, it's not you're, you're not caring or you're not thoughtful <laughs> yeah. or yourself. You know, those are big, broad statements. But if you do it in the moment when it's just the actual action, and you focus on the details. I think you were talking about that, Mayor. Like, this is actually very, very practical. It's very in the moment, mm-hmm. the action. It's very action-based. Mm-hmm. Then I think it, one, helps people like me who hold it in forever. Or two, just stay on topic and not become a judgment statement on the person. So in a way, it's serving both people. 
right? Because it's saying, what behavior do you want to see? And that gives me a way to specifically identify the behavior and you a way to stop being so personal. Because they've essentially done the wrong thing by criticizing you. We don't want to say that criticism was ever nice. You know, you're so selfish or what's your problem or whatever that sentence is. That's not going to be good. But what behavior would you like to see? Is, is a good one. So we had an incident this weekend, not incident, but we had a situation where we were running a little late and my husband was speeding a little more than I wanted. And I said, hey, let's not get crazy, which has an indirect commentary on him. And he could have said, what behavior would you like to see? And I could have said, I need you to slow down because I'm feeling unsafe, which I eventually did say that sentence, but it didn't have to have all the bumps. Hmm. Okay, I have a different question. I have another question. Um, I love the look on your face when you ask that you have another question. Like Taylor does like a hard like side eye. (laughs) We want it, Taylor. Ask the question. What what behavior would you like to see change, Taylor? Well, when we talk to children, it's very like don't complain. Like complain is a bad word in my Mm, head. So I'm trying to reframe complaining that it's a good Mm. thing. But well, when we I'm hear, hearing you two know, different things, okay, I'm hearing complaining is obnoxious and stating a complaint. Those mm-hmm. are the same word. This though, like, I don't know. In I mean, my mind, we throw like, in the, the word, word whining? visually. So, like whining, then you're just like being obnoxious. But then, if you have a complaint of a behavior and it can be fixed, then it's worth saying. I think so. What I would say is the difference between whining and complaining in my mind is that whining is a repetitive loop that never resolves itself. And you're not looking for a change in behavior. You're just looking to whine. So it's just like, I don't like this. This is stupid. This is dumb. I don't know why we're doing this. This is a waste of my time. Yeah. You know those people. This is hard because this. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm thinking of people that whine just to whine, right? Just to like, this is negative, this is negative. And then you try to like, try to be encouraging to them, but they aren't having it. Like they're not in it. They're not in the game to like, try to adjust or grow or, right. you know, they they just want to vent, right? And then we've all been there. I've, sometimes I just want to vent, you know, because I'm frustrated and just want someone to hear me out. And that's a difference from I'm standing a complaint because I want an opportunity for change in this relationship or in this behavior, right. or someone wants to give me the chance to change a behavior. And I think, Taylor, per your question, I think we would want to think about how we mean the word. So all words have meanings that we assign to them. So if you are using the word complaint, but you really mean whining, you know, it's it doesn't matter if you whatever use, you know, word you use, this idea of complaint as we defined it on this episode is this idea of identifying behavior that needs to be changed versus whining, which is just filling the air with statements that cannot lead to a pathway of behavior change and don't benefit anyone. So with a child, how do you help a child understand the world of complaint? Here's the behavior I need to see changed. That gives them a specific pathway to get out of the, I'm a bad kid, bad brother, bad whatever. And you guys are doing this on the daily, especially you, Taylor. You probably did this 25 times just today because a three-year-old gets a lot of statements like, I need you to pick up that object. I need you to (laughs) come over here and sit. I need you to not interrupt mom who is talking on the phone. I need you to fill in the blank. 
You do a good job of that, Taylor, though. I'm watching Taylor nod her head like almost fuck. I need to do that better. Like, <laughs> But I've seen you do that mm-hmm. exactly with an object. I was just with you like not that long ago. And you were like, I need you to pick these things up. And there was a lot of whining happening. And you <laughs> just kept repeating. Me? I need you to pick this up. <laughs> a hard a hard week. I mean, I was very gracious with this. No, you no, you do this well. I I mean, I'm sure you have your days and your moments. We all do. And yeah. I'm probably going to call you and I'm losing my mind. But but I think it's yes. important. I want to know how to teach him. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I received that. But I kind of think I'm shutting him off. And I think like if any friend came to me and as someone who generally tries to fix things, I'm sure my friends who come to me with problems are annoyed because I think I'd need to ask them like, do you just want to vent or do you want me to like help you resolve this? Because we talked when, about this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so I think I need to like start asking my toddler that like, are you just frustrated now? You just want to talk about how you're frustrated or are you hoping that like I can fix something for you right now or however, mm-hmm. whatever language that will be for him? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause sometimes I think he does just need to be heard and is like frustrated from being mm-hmm. told what to do all day long. Yeah. Do you need mama to fix it? And yeah, like, like, or even like, well, what yeah. can I help you with? I think would be like something in his language. He could understand like, what can I do for you? What do you need? Mm-hmm. That reminds I mean, me. So sometimes when I'm mediating, I'll have someone say, you're not listening. You're mm-hmm. not a good mediator. I've had that said to me. That's a nice one. <laughs> a little personal attack, right? Yeah. And you know yeah. what I say back to them? What is Maybe. it you think I'm not hearing? Hmm. What is it okay. you think I need to hear? I'd like to hear it now. It's a very de-escalating thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. That's, these are these questions you're saying to do de-escalate. Like mm-hmm. you can only fuel someone's fire so much in something like this because there's a lot of defensiveness that can go on so quickly. I know I've been there mm-hmm. and all the, the questions you're proposing or the solutions are reducing conflict. And I relate a lot with you, Taylor. I think we've all three of us have talked about this. We want to problem solve. So sometimes, yeah, when people come and talk to me, every time I have to check myself, I really struggle with that. Are you wanting to just say how you feel about something? Are you looking to like adjust or find a solution? Mm Because I'm always looking to find a solution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But But I I also know what it feels like too, to have somebody do that. And you're just like, I just want you to listen. Yeah. Yeah. What do you say? And I think, you know, from the relationship and the context you're in, a lot of times you'll have 50% of that information. You can kind of tell if they need to vent. You can kind of tell. Because we've all had situations with like a good girlfriend who they come in ranting and you say, I don't need to ask you whether you want me to solve it. I know you're venting. Yeah, fair. Because almost in a way, I feel like if I were to ask someone like, do you just need to vent or do you want help fixing something? They would feel criticized. Yeah. And like, oh, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be talking right now. I shouldn't be sharing this, Mm -hmm. Um, which I don't want that message to be like. That's right. So I think if we were to summarize the whole topic, we would say we want to avoid personal attacks. Mm -hmm. And instead of hurling them, we want to ground them in behavioral change. And if they're hurled at us, ask about what behavioral change they would like to see. Mm -hmm. I like that. I I love these practical ones because... There's no escaping them. You can't like go away <laughs> from listening to this and think like there's nothing for you to try because this, this stuff happens all the time. I mean, it happens oh, in yes. the workplace. A supervisor tries to correct something that you're doing, you know, and there's an opportunity for you to ask for behavioral change and adjust. And then, you know, yeah. 
Was it in the article or maybe the video you sent me, Mayor, where they talk about how to say it and it's instead of any you language, it's I, which we've talked about before, mm-hmm. I language, but it's mm-hmm. I'm plus the feeling. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling misunderstood. I'm feeling disrespected when the action happens mm-hmm. and this is what I need. Yep. I'm feeling disrespected when I come home and the dishes are still are sitting in the sink. Mm-hmm. When you said you would do the dishes, I need yep. you to do the dishes tonight or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And also I would, I don't know if this is okay to say, but like lower expectations with this one. <laughs> because, or on, in every way of our life. <laughs> uh, yeah. Be, I mean, I, I, oh my gosh, I harness so much of lowering the expert- expectations on my flight with the baby, by the way. So works. Um, but no, it really <laughs> does work with children. Right. It's great. No, but like lowering your expectation that someone's not going to just get to, even if you try, you're so hard. Like I, I'm focused on the behavior and that person still gets defensive because I honestly believe that like my husband is really good at focusing on my behavior and I'm really good at being defensive. <laughs> and <laughs> so, We all have our skills. Yeah. So I <laughs> am seeing that I'm going to, it's going to take me a minute to practice, which I like, this isn't just about just flipping a 180 and becoming perfect, but practice hearing when a behavior is brought up and listening for the chance to do something better for the relationship in myself and mm-hmm. not just go straight into defense mode mm-hmm. or like over criticizing myself mode, mm-hmm. which then makes me defensive. It's true. I like this. We got our work cut out for us. Oh, do we? I don't know. This one feels like so practical that I can actually do this pretty often. Yeah. From the toddler to the adult relationship, right? Yeah. Like I can totally see this. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Please remember to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. And thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.